We are just three days away from BC Spring Football going live. On today's show, I cannot wait to talk about some of those things that we're going to look for, those questions that we need to see from BC Football in the next six weeks. We'll get into all of that on today's show. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spring football is around, and we're here to talk about it here on Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black, editor of Eagle Insider. Today, we are just three days away from the start of spring football, and I would say hope springs eternal, but, you know, there's still that feeling of pessimism around this program, as there rightfully should be after a 3-9 and season. But BC has addressed a number of things in their offseason that should give a better picture of what this team should look like in the spring, but we still have some big questions that we need to look at on today's show. I want to give you three of those and we're going to look at the basketball program and they have an absolutely huge game on Tuesday. I'm going to look at that game as well. All right. So football starts on Friday and this is a big deal for BC. This is, this is the put up or shut up year for Jeff Halfley after a three and nine year, a six and six season before that he has to have a big season. And he's done some things. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast. Eight new transfers coming in, um, 15 new or 17, excuse me, uh, out of uh, high school recruits. Eight, I believe there are seven of them coming on campus early. BC has uh, some new faces that we're going to watch for. But the question remains heading into this spring what is this team going to be? What is going to be this team? identity and there are lots of moving pieces that could change them from a three and 19 to a bull team, but we don't know that yet. We don't know what they're going to look like. And so this spring, what do we need to see? First of all, you know, I think what we're going to be looking for is some cohesion on this offensive line. This is the first year that they're going to have three guys. They're all five guys. It's the first time in two years that they've had five guys that have extensive experience last year. It was as we, we went over it all summer long before it even happened. It was like, who are they going to start? What guy is going to plug in? How are they going to look? You know, what, what guy's going to go where we pretty much know barring injuries or some f- weird change that maybe they see something that they want to change who the five will be. That's going to be Christian mahogany at guard. Uh, Kyle Hergel from Texas state at guard. Logan Taylor at tackle, Ozzie Trapillo at tackle, and Drew Kendall at center. Barring any sort of weird fluky change, those are going to be your five. Now, what are we going to need to see this offseason to show us that this offensive line is a different animal than they were last year? First of all, you have Matt Applebaum back. We've talked about the new offensive line coach, who's the same as the old offensive line coach from two years ago, is back after a one-year sabbatical in the NFL. He has a lot of clout in that that locker room. There's a lot of players that really like him. Christian Mahogany is a very big fan uh, from what I've seen 
of Matt Applebaum. So can he get this group so they can run the ball, that they can do some things? And this should be a simple, we see it in the spring game, we'll get our answers. Now, the spring game isn't going to give us everything. It, It shouldn't give us much of anything. But if BC can, like, run the ball, you know, just, you know, three or four yards of carry, and we're not getting ball every play called dead on, on Emmett Moorhead, then, yeah, that's a step in the right direction. I think BC's run defense, if that's how they set it up, would be a big enough challenge that we'd see them struggle. So I want to see some good cohesion from this offensive line. I want to see them spending this spring learning, the, you know, the communication together, the things that lacked last year under Dave DeGuglielmo. Get those pieces all together and ready to roll for the for the summer in the in the fall because if that offensive line is anything like it was last year this team's doomed we're going to be having heartache after heartache again because you cannot win games playing that the way that offensive line played last year you just can't win and it, and it, as i've said it, it really does dictate what you know every other piece of that game so that offensive line is a big piece. Secondly, the next piece I want to see this spring is all the new names. I want to know what these players are going to bring to this team. We talked to Alex Washington on this podcast. You can go back and listen to it. Mitch and I interviewed him. You know, he's going to be a cornerback, but is he going to be the nickel? Is he going to be the outside? I, I mean, I'm a dork. I love that kind of stuff. And how does he fit in with Elijah Jones and some of the other kids like Amari Jackson and, and maybe even freshmen like, like Sean Battle, who's going to be there early, or KP Price, who's going to be there at safety? Uh, you know, how are they going to deal with the sa- safety issue? You have, you know, Victor Nelson, you have some guys probably on your roster that can do that. And, and so all these new names, all of them coming to practice early, they could, in essence, really set up what you're going to see in the, in the, in the spring. You could see when you see that first team defense out there and you see Alex Washington as an outside corner, that could give you a better impression of what he's going to do. And if you hear Jeff Halfley at press conferences, cause he's going to hold them all during the spring talking a lot about Victor Nelson and, and what he's doing during practice, that might give you some more details. That's one other piece I want to see. And in a moment, I'm going to go over one other piece I'm looking for this this spring and a bonus. We'll get into that in just a moment. But man, I have to talk to you about Built Bars. If you're looking for a dr- delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try Built. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then man, I get to think for you. you got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious, you'd think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% chocolate. And so you hear chocolate, you think candy bars. But no, 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 no. Listen to AJ for a second here, folks. They're only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You know what that means? You're going to be full, feeling good, and you're not eating junk. You're eating Built. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built bars and head on out. You could pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream or a 13-bar box of 
brownie batter churros at Sam's Club. You can thank me later. So head on over to built.com or Sam's Club or Walmart to get your built. This is AJ Black, locked on BC here, and we're talking about spring football. And so just kind of give you the, the, the go around again. So just so you get a, a realistic expectation of what you can expect from me from covering this team. Just like the summer, practices are closed. So unfortunately, uh, some schools, they allow you to sit and watch a lot of the practice. BC's never been like that. And it's not a Jeff Halfley thing. It's a Boston College thing. It was like that with Adazio. It's been it's going to be like that with, with Halfley. So I, I won't be able to, if you're looking like, hey, AJ, what's the what's the offensive line looking like at um at practice and i i would i wouldn't be able to tell you i can ask questions to halfley but i can't tell you what's going on there because they don't they don't make it uh, open to the public or open to the media so that's just one little piece and i'm not i just want to be realistic with you so you know what i can and can't uh get for you in terms of information now looking else uh, around the program as well i think the other big question that we have is the quarterback position. Emmett Moorhead is the heir apparent. He's been the heir apparent for the last six months since Phil Dracovic went down. And we saw a lot of pro- of potential with him. Uh, even with the horrendous offensive line, he had some games where he looked really good. I, I wanted to let you know, like, I think that Emmett Moorhead has that in him. I think he has some real potential to be an upper echelon quarterback, but he's got a lot of room to grow too. He's not perfect. I'm not thinking Emmett Moorhead's going to turn into the next Devin Leary this year, but could he be serviceable? Sure. Does, does he have the potential to be better than Dracovic? Yep, absolutely. And I think this, this spring is going to bring a lot of chance, uh, a lot of um, opportunities to see what he does, how he handles being QB one you know, kind of being thrown in there at the end of a season that's completely lost is, is it's got some stress level to it, but it's not the same as when you're coming in, you know, having to face, I mean, Phil Dracovic had to face the media, you know, every other day, every other practice that they have. Moorhead's going to have to do that too. And, and credit to Halfley, it's, he's been doing that for two years now. So Moorhead's had that experience of like dealing with the media, having the light shine not shown on him. But this is going to be a new beast. How's he? How's he starting to manage running the offense himself? Get having a new offensive coordinator with Shimko and and Chizinski kind of running it with him. I think that's that's a big one. And and of course, who's behind him? I, we've talked about that on this podcast for a long time too, right? Is it going to be Peter Delaportis, Matt Weave, who's been around the longest, or is it going to be someone completely different like Jacoby Robinson? Or do they? Is is the potential there that they look at the at the at the track record of who they have and have to go back to the transfer portal again? That quarterback position is going to be a major thing to watch. I think Moorhead will be fine, but it's as we've learned, you know, someone had tweeted at me before. When's the last time BC's had a complete season from their quarterback? You have to go back. I mean, look at every year Phil Jakovic has been hurt. Every year, Anthony Brown's been hurt. Darius Wade's been hurt. It's got to be, it's got to be, um, Pat Towles, was it 2016? That's probably the last year 
seven years ago, the BC made it a complete season without an injured quarterback. I think it was tolls. If I, I'd have to look it up, but that's my thoughts right there. Um, and so I think that's one last piece. And so those are some of my big storylines I want to watch for. You know, there's going to be other things that, you know, you're going to want to see. Like, we won't know. Like, you could say, like, oh, the linebacker position. Yeah, I want to see the linebacker play position play better. But that's not kind of something that we really can't monitor during the spring. Um, in the spring game, I don't – I really don't find any value in watching the spring game. It's not like, oh, look at so-and-so is looking better. But you might see Emmett Moorhead make a pass or two. But other than that, you're not going to see a whole lot. Um, secondly, the bonus, here's your bonus. Here's, here's the bonus thing I want to look for, for this spring. And I'm going to use this as a uh, self-promotion tool here. I think something I really want to see is a busy campus for, uh, for recruits. I have posted on Eagle Insider a ton of kids that are, are visiting Boston college. I have the list right now on my phone. I'm looking at it right now of all the kids on Friday that are coming. Remember, this is unofficial visit season. Kids that are thinking of coming to Boston College or are looking at what schools kind of stick out for them. This is when they start to kind of strat like make their strat like stratify. Like these are the my my bigger schools. Are the ones I want to focus. These are ones I'm not going to even bother visiting. And schools do the same. I've talked to people at BC. I've got a ton of information on where things are going. And I think these next four weeks should be really telling. Oh, you know, we're about to end a dead season. And um, I think the dead season is going to really open up to some really big recruits coming in. I mean, just some names, um, of recruits that you're going to want to watch for. I'll, I'll even, I'll just give you, I'll give you a smattering of some names. Gerby Lambert, an offensive tackle from Catholic Memorial. He goes, uh, he's a four-star offensive tackle. He's going to be on campus in March. Liam Andrews, an offensive lineman from, I think it's Dexter uh, in Massachusetts. Four stars. He's going to be on campus in March. There are a handful of big time, um, Offense, defensive linemen uh, that I think you're going to want to watch for. They're all coming on campus. Okay. And this is going to be a big opportunity for BC to kind of hit some home runs on recruiting. It's tough. I'm going to tell you right now, when you finish after a three and nine season, it's tough to sell your message to recruits and to beat out other programs when things are that bad. But talking to the staff, they feel confident. And that's good, right? They're not just lowering their expectations on who they're going after. They're, they're confident that they can get some of these kids. So stay tuned. Eagle Eye Insider is my site. It's part of 247 Sports. We are the premier recruiting network out there. Uh, we, I, I work with some great uh, national reporters uh, who give us a national scoop. They talk. We all have our... Um, we all have our... Uh, connections within the program and within the recruiting worlds, you're, you're going to get, you know, recruiting profiles, crystal ball predictions, all this good stuff. If you become a subscriber to Eagle Insider, Eagle Insider is, we're going to have a deal starting on Friday for the kickoff of uh, spring football. I hope you become a member. It's 50% off uh, starting Friday on the site. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm telling you, if you haven't done so already, so subscribe right now. 
Now, in our final segment, um, before we actually before, wait, 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 let me slow down a second here. Before we get to the this final segment, I want to hit up some of our commenters here on YouTube. If you're listening to this on a podcast stream, thank you so much. I really appreciate all of you that have made part locked on BC part of your daily listen. But if you're listening on YouTube, you can subscribe. You can when we go live and you have subscribed. You will know uh, when we go live and you can join the comment section. We have some people sit, having some comments out there. Mark Falzone, who is a one of the biggest cheerleaders for some of the programs I don't talk to all, about a whole lot, has some things to say. He says, women's basketball 11 seed plays Georgia Tech in first round of ACC tournament on Wednesday at 630 on the ACC network. It's a big game. Uh, ACC tournament start against Cam Schwartz, former BC player. That's going to be a fun uh, little matchup there. BC beat Georgia Tech earlier this season. See if they can do that again. They, the winner of that game plays Miami. And then Mark also says women's ice hockey, a four seed plays Northeastern, the number one seed on Wednesday at 6 p.m. So there's a big week, uh, big midweek matchup uh, for some BC women's teams. And, um, and then Marty says, spill the beans on the defensive coordinator, please. So I said it on uh, the site. I, I, I have heard that both coordinators are in and they're already working with the teams. They're just waiting to get the green light to announce it. I, I mean, guys, I, I ask and I can't say, Hey, make sure you tell the fans. It's not kind of my role. I can ask and try to get information for you. That's what I'm hearing. So that's what we have right now. My guess, if I was a guessing man, We'll play here in the next couple of days, probably maybe even before like they might announce it the day spring football starts, which is on Friday. I don't know. I don't know that answer, but hopefully we'll get an answer soon. Uh, in our final segment, BC basketball has a major game on Tuesday against Wake Forest. And I want to talk about what to expect and what would happen if the Eagles win. We'll get into that in just a moment. This is locked on BC. AJ Black here. All right. BC basketball had that weird, and I don't know if it was uh, spring break, but they had that weird one week off where they played on Wednesday, where they play played on Wednesday against UVA, and they have been off ever since. They didn't play on Saturday. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's good that they got a little breather after they've played so, so many physical games so far. Uh, but they're going to play Wake Forest on Tuesday. And Wake, Wake gave BC fits last time they played. But BC's playing at a high level right now. Well, they've been inconsistent, but they've been playing at a higher level. Um, and this is a huge game for BC because there's two major things that could happen if Boston College beats Wake, okay? If BC beats Wake, they're going to be on the fast track to go 500 this season. If they beat them, they're going to they right now they I believe they're two games under 500. They just have to beat they have to beat uh Wake Forest and they have to beat Georgia Tech. And so this seven o'clock game, yeah, if they win this game, they could go 16 and 15. They could go above 500, which is when we heard Mason Madsen yesterday. He go listen to our interview with him if you haven't checked it out yet. That's a big goal for them. And that honestly, when's the last time BC football? has been, I mean, BC basketball has been a 500 program. It's been what, five, six years now. So this is a big opportunity for this team to really, um, really get their themselves some momentum. And 
given that Quinton Post was out for a majority of this first half of the season, getting them at this, getting to this point would potentially get you in in line to potentially steal an NIT bid. It could get you some momentum heading into the ACC tournament. There's a lot of good things that could happen because of um, a, a win on Tuesday. So they got to beat uh, beat Wake Forest. And this is not going to be easy because last time the two teams played, it wasn't really all that close. BC lost 85-63. But I, I go back to last year. B, I believe BC got smoked by Wake Forest last year, and they go they went ahead and beat them in the ACC tournament. So this is not something that's out of the realm of possibilities. You get yourself playing a little better. You play a little better defensively, and boom, you've got some things going here. That's one piece. The other piece that I think is so important is if they win this game, they could, there's still the potential that they could get themselves out of the Tuesday in Greensboro, that early game against uh, whatever team they face. Uh, BC Film Room on Twitter did a great job of breaking down the potential, um, the potential uh, matchups that they could have. It, they will be a nine seed if they beat Wake in Georgia Tech and either Syracuse loses or Wake Forest loses to Syracuse. So you have to either hope that Syracuse loses to Georgia Tech. They've been playing pretty poor lately and the Syracuse fans are not happy with Jim Beheim, or Wake Forest goes 0-2. Again, not the biggest odds that this happens, but it's still something that you could look forward to potentially, right? They will secure the 10 seed if they win both and Syracuse beats Georgia Tech and lose to Wake or that BC win lose at least one or two and BC loses both and Florida State loses once. And last I checked, Florida State was getting clobbered by UNC. So if the, if you, Florida State continues to lose, BC is going to lock in that 10 seed. And the 11 seed, they lose to everyone and Florida State wins both. Uh, so I don't think that's going to happen. As I said, last I had checked, but Hey, <laughs> I'm not going to count Florida state out because what just happened against with that team against Miami, just a co- like a couple days ago, they were down by a lot and they came back and won. I'm recording this at eight 30 on a Monday. Uh, there's a chance that they could still come back in that game. So, and, and if you were to ask me like, all right, say they finish with a winning record, 16 and 15, they go two rounds in the end ACC tournament. Would that be a successful season? I mean, given the, I mean, you have to have context to it, but it's a step in the right direction. And I think that's all you can ask for for BC basketball. On tomorrow's show, we will break down the BC basketball game, talk about whether BC was able to take advantage of a big potential opportunity here and look at any other news that's breaking down. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. Hit up our YouTube channel, subscribe to that as well. And you can find me over at Eagle Insider. This is AJ Black. I will see you all again soon. If you're up in Massachusetts, stay, stay safe tomorrow. It sounds like it's going to be a messy one. Take care.